So, uh, hi, welcome to the first episode of Warhammer Wookies. Um, this is a Warhammer podcast, it's going to be very relaxed. It's me, me and my friend Roman here, just chatting about Warhammer. I'll see each other questions. Roman is coming to this kind of cold. I told him we are going to make a podcast, but he didn't really know what was going to happen. Hello. The only thing that I know that something is going to happen right now, really. So, um, in the future, he's going to have some questions prepared. But for today, I'm just going to let him go off the fly. So, my first question for Roman is, why did you start playing Warhammer? Well, that's actually a really good question, I would say. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, uh, probably like 12, 13 years old, and uh, that's actually was the first time when I saw something about Warhammer, and that was, you probably all guys knew that, that, that was a game from a THQ, uh, Dawn of War. Uh, where you actually took command on uh, space marines and uh, fought against uh, chaos forces on on that absolutely awesome, in my opinion, RTS game. And uh, since then, I was thinking, well, that that's really cool to actually play Warhammer. But it was I, I'm from Russia, and uh, it was really difficult to actually buy Warhammer there. Uh, sounds sounds yeah, sounds silly, right? But uh, in order to buy it, you need to pay like a lot of money, and uh, that was pretty much impossible for some for someone from who's just like going to school, you know. Uh, but then I came to Sweden. And I was thinking like, and then I saw a Warhammer store here, and I was like, oh shit, that's that's really cool. I really want to start this as well. And uh, then I started to look into like different fractions and so on and so forth. But I was still uncertain if I should start or not, because you know, like new country. New people, uh, new Warhammer, and uh, and then I, 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 at the same time I was learning Swedish, and then I met Richard, and uh, I told him that I really want to start Warhammer, and occasionally he also is a, was Warhammer, and he still is an absolutely awesome Warhammer player, and uh, I told him that I want to start uh, with Adeptus Mechanicus, and he said you need to buy the robots. I actually didn't want to buy them because I really wanted to buy chickens. Uh, I mean, uh, the Skitari guys on, uh, riding on, on something strange, which people usually call chickens. Uh, so I really wanted to buy them instead, but then I checked the stats for robots and it's like, okay, I'm going to go with them. And I bought my first start collecting package, and, and then the second one, and then the third one. And that's how it goes. That's how it goes. <laughs> I mean, I basically saw a victim, a new victim, to pull into crack plastic crack addiction. And I was like, yes, he seems like a likely person. <laughs> he seems like a nice guy. I can uh, make him spend lots of money on my hobby. Um, so um, what was it that made you want to play AdMech, of all things? Well, because robots are cool. Uh, I, I, that's, that's the main reason, obviously. Uh, and I still think that uh, at some point, uh, robots are going to come conquer the humanity. And uh, I'm trying to help them with that. Uh, so, because I'm, I'm I'm working as a CTO in a in, in, in an audio books company, so I'm producing, I'm, I'm building your internet, guys. That's what I do. So it's like a preemptive strike. So when our AI overlords overtake, you can be like, "Well, I played Admech." Exactly, exactly. And uh, I also looked like at models, so I checked the Games Workshop website, uh, like multiple sections that they have there, and the multiple forces, multiple armies, and I was thinking like, okay. Uh, I remember when I played Dawn of War, I played Tau, and uh, I was thinking to start with Tau, or should I start with Necrons, because Necrons are basically also robots, or should I start with Admech. Uh, you, you made the right decision not to go with Tau, as everyone knows, anyone who plays Tau 
just becomes a bad person who automatically goes to hell when they die. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, I think you made the right choice. Uh, probably, probably. Uh, but actually, that wasn't my reasoning. Uh, my reasoning was instead that uh, I remember when I played uh, Dawn of War uh, on my PC. On my PC uh, after the first, after the first DLC, they actually added uh, Astra Militarum. Uh, as another Imperium fraction, and in Astro Militarum they had one of my favorite uh, characters. That's, that actually wasn't a character, it was just a guy who builds stuff, uh, who builds the buildings and so on and so forth. Oh, the tech that, priest. Yeah, exactly, yeah. that was the tech priest. And I was thinking, wow, that, that's really cool. And then when I checked the Games Workshop website, I realized that they actually have a separate fraction with a lot of really cool things. But you were quite lucky, really, because um, if you'd come into Warhammer earlier, uh, Mechanicum wouldn't have existed as a faction. Like they were a pretty recent addition, even when you started, um, but pretty well established. Um, and lots of people had to spend a lot of time converting a lot of Imperial Guard models into <laughs> Astra Militarum. And you just wandered in and were like, well, you know, I'll just buy some Sciatari because they're available to me. Exactly, exactly. That was actually another reasoning uh, behind that. Because uh, I didn't know how, how it actually works, like overall. Is it possible, for example, to take some parts of one model and glue it to some other parts of the model and then have some model uh, which actually like follow the rules of the game or it's not allowed? Uh, I, I, I was thinking that probably should be allowed because I, I bought the models, they're mine, I mean, <laughs> I can do whatever I want with them. Uh, but I didn't know if it was actually like legal to do. Uh, so I was like, I was basically like, I didn't know anything about like the rules, of uh, tabletop 40k, I didn't know anything about like the meta ranks, like top players, anything else. I didn't know anything about that. Uh, but what I what I, what 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 I, what I actually understood that there are some models which I loved how they look like, and there are some models which I was like, they're cool, but I like them a little bit less than others. So after that, I had my top of things. Uh, I was actually thinking to start with uh, uh, Astro Militarum as well. Uh, but I was overwhelmed. It was like too, it was too many things, like too many cards that you needed to buy, too many things you needed to glue. While, for example, if you buy start collecting uh, Adobe Mechanicus, you you have pretty much everything that you want. Uh, for us, the time you have the same. I think uh, you also have the same five hundred points. Um, but in that mech, they also they also robots. So. <laughs> <laughs> so that's your, your logical choice. Yeah, yeah. Both right. of these factions could work, but these ones are robots. Exactly, exactly. But you actually hit on something. Uh, was actually going to be my next question. Um, things that, as a when you were a newer player, uh, would be of a useful thing to know. And I, I think for you, a big thing that was conversions. Um, so you you were saying that you weren't sure. Oh, when if I change this model to look different, is that going to be okay? And it totally is. Like, that's something that new players should really understand. Is you can do pretty much whatever you want. As yes, long as exactly. And I, I think that there is something, there is something in it. Because uh, when, you, when you buy those models, you, you look at the, at the guides and tutorials. And that's basically the first thing that you see. And you think that, okay, that's how the models should look like overall. And it took me actually some time to understand that I can like do whatever I want with my models, and uh, I can, for example, I can, uh, I don't have to follow the guidelines. For example, I can change the postures, how they stand, and so on. And I still remember that moment when I actually I just rotated the hand of my tick priest, and I played it another day with, with, with Richard, 
and uh, I showed him the model. I said, look, that's really cool. I just changed like how the hand looks like. Is it legal? And he looked like me, like, I feel if, <laughs> if I'm okay, it's like, yeah, like that's your model. <laughs> yeah, well, so I think it's important to note that I'm, a, I'm a primarily a chaos player and I like to make my own models. So I pretty much have... But that's why... How many Dean Prince do I even have now? Is it nine? A lot. No, a lot. It's nine and, or ten. And none of them are the standard model. And I think that was really useful for Roman to meet someone like me so he could be like, I changed the angle on the hand and I was like, this guy is made from a collection of bits that I had and kind of looks like a demon prince. So that's okay. But that's, that's you know, that's, that's the thing about chaos. You don't expect like to, the chaos models to look similar because that's, that's chaos. You have different bits from here and there and then like, I don't know if you, try, if you ever try to put your hand on the warp, like whatever will happen to it. Nobody knows, I mean, right? You might not have a hand, you might have a better hand. You exactly. Might have a worse hand. Exactly, exactly. You may have a free hand instead. Like, uh, so that's something that you expect from, from, from Chaos models to, to, to see and uh, to have, to look like. Uh, Imperium is like, that's another thing. Well, we have, we have Denver. We have how Space Marines should look like. We have how Deadpool's mechanic should look like and everything else. Uh, so I think that that's something that may prevent people from converting their models. And uh, I don't think that it's like... Like, it's, it's good for beginners, uh, but you also should know that you can do whatever. Uh, there's like a lot of freedom in, in the game. Yeah, I mean, the thing is with the 40k setting um, is that it's such a big place. Like, you're, you're, you're looking at something that spans an entire galaxy. So if you can think of something and it's kind of sci-fi, it's probably there. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, like for me, like I've been playing Warhammer for a really long time. Like, so I'm, I'm looking at my 20th anniversary of playing Warhammer this Oof. year. Um, so it's hard for me to think back to like what it was like in those early days. I mean, I was a kid as well. So we from which from which edition of the rules you started to play? Third, third, third. edition. Yeah. So, but so how I started was um, uh, I used to read comic books. Me and my brother used to read comic books, and my granddad saw a white dwarf, and uh, he thought it was a comic book. Mm -hmm. So he brought it and gave it to my brother. And um, it wasn't a comic book, it was a white dwarf. And it was the issue, um, it had a, I remember it really clearly, it had a picture of a hellhound on the front with a commissar coming out the top shouting and a big flame coming out the front of the tank. And we were like, this is the coolest thing we've ever seen. And then we opened the book and inside... It's still a really cool thing. Yeah, it's still yeah. a very cool thing. And uh, so we opened the book and inside it was the release of Dark Eldar, um, which are my second faction after Chaos. Um, um, and it, there was a big battle uh, between Eldar and um, Dark Eldar. It was like an apocalypse scale. They had two players on each side. And obviously, as a, as a nine-year-old, you look at that and you go, this is amazing. How do I paint this many models now? And you realise it's a bit more of a challenge, but like, you can get there. I mean, I, I must have 12,000 points of Chaos now, about 7,000 points of Dark Eldar. I have so it builds up. Uh, I have six knights at the, at the moment. Yeah. Six knights, a uh, few armagers of different types of different sorts. So I guess that altogether it's probably probably around six thousand points. Yeah, and the, I mean, like, so I've I've dabbled in other armies over the years, but I keep coming back to Chaos and Dark Elder as the main ones. And it, part of it for me is the conversion opportunity. Like, I like having a model no one's ever seen before. <laughs> I like being a special snowflake. Um, so. Um, when um, so Roman actually got into tournaments pretty quick, I would say for a, for yeah, a fair I, I would say so. It was pretty, it was pretty fast. But, so I but mean, that's how it works here in general in Sweden. Yeah, 
Uh, yeah, we should say we, we uh, I am English, Roman is Russian, but we both live in Sweden. So <laughs> the culture is quite different here than yeah, it is in other countries. Quite, yeah, uh, what, what I've noticed in, uh, in Swedish 40k tournaments, uh, obviously I started to, com to compare the, 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 the Russian tournaments and the Russian meta. Uh, so what I can see here in Sweden is really uh, like meta-oriented, I would say. Yeah, so probably definitely. like uh, we usually go to the tournament to Westeros. Uh, that's another like city in Sweden. It looks like it has dragons and dragon queen and uh, and Starks yeah. and uh, and I don't know and Targaryens, but it's not. <laughs> it only has a lake. Pretty nice though. It's a pretty. It's a nice city. Yeah, it's a yeah. nice city. Yeah, and and uh, it has the biggest forty k community. Probably one of the biggest, at least in the whole country. I'd, I'd say it might be one of the biggest competitive 40k communities in Europe, actually. Yeah. If you yeah. look at the standard of armies there, it's, it's very high. Yeah. And they usually have a GT every four months. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. So when, when we first came there, I was like really surprised, like how, how serious people actually take it. Yeah. How good, how, how well prepared they are, how uh, nice painted the armies are and uh, how they orient to win. Not yeah. just to play, but actually to win. And that, that is a big difference, actually, I think, in Sweden. Um, I mean, obviously, I've only played here in Sweden and in England. But in, in England, like, if you go to a GT that has 50 players, half the players there are there just to have a good time. The other half are there to win. So if you are a relatively good player, um, like you're not, you're not going to win the GT, but you're, you, know, you know what you're doing. You've built a decent army. You go to a GT in England, if you lose your first game, you, you get paired up with someone you're definitely going to beat because they're there for the fluff. Whereas in Sweden, if you lose your first game, you might be paired up with someone who would have won the tournament if they didn't lose their first game because everyone is there to kick ass, which is it's, it's good and bad. It really pushes you to be a better player, but both of us like to go back to England every now and again uh, go to something like the LGT, we a bigger tournament, and you have that pool of players where, if you've lost a couple of games, you know you can have a more relaxed one. Um, sometimes even doing teaching games to people, which is really fun. Like uh, last time uh, we were in the LGT, which was last year, um, my first game was against a Necron player who'd only been playing for a few months, and he just got his first two thousand points painted. And I had my uh, what well, at the time was a very competitive Dark Elder list, and I beat him. Obviously, like I wasn't gonna give him a, a free win, but I made sure he got a few points, and I didn't just table him in two turns because that's not fun for anyone, right? Yeah, uh, I remember my first game I get uh, on LGT, and uh, this time I actually didn't play at Mac. This time I played uh, Imperial Super, played Space Marines and Custodes. Uh, that is, that's actually, was actually a pretty funny build. Uh, I really liked it. It was a lot of Hellblasters and a lot of uh, jet bike custodians as well. Uh, and I played them as Ultramarines, so in the beginning of the first turn I could just redeploy them uh, using the stratagem, was actually, which was actually pretty cool. But not good enough to win the tournament, obviously. Yeah. And I played against uh, Eldar Flyers, and that was such a pain. It yeah. was ridiculous. It was it was ridiculously painful because they fly like I don't know, like, like they're super fast, super mobile, and you just you just can't hit all of them with all the with the army that you have. Even though I had Marius Kalgar, which is obviously the biggest hero of the Imperium, except for Robert Gilman, I still lost. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I think like an important thing to note though is like even in um, the Swedish tournaments where it's pretty hardcore. Um, if you enjoy playing Warhammer and you, you go and play 
maybe you don't win a single game. Maybe you go 0 and 5. Doesn't matter. You still want to play five games of 40k over a weekend. Like the last tournament we had in Sweden here, um, uh, I had a build that I'd been practicing for a few months, and then the Terminators, which were the core of the build, just didn't arrive in time. Mm-hmm. So I just took a whole load of Slanash Demons because they were my prettiest models and I wanted to use them. <laughs> and I won two games and lost three. Um, I had a great time. All of my opponents were really friendly. Um, even the games I lost were kind of close because. Um, those are things I practice with. Um, but even if you just get stomped, you're going to have a good time and you're going to learn a lot if you go to a tournament. Yeah, yeah. Swedish, Swedish 40k community is really welcoming, I would say. Uh, and uh, you actually can meet a lot of really interesting people. For example, I remember there was a guy who actually was working as a smith. Smith in 2020! Can yeah. you believe that? <laughs> so <laughs> the sort of people you meet at a 40k tournament is a guy that can make weapons. Exactly. He, he was actually like... He's actually working with metals and like building stuff with the hammers. Like, really, you still do that? It's like, yeah, we still have hammers and we put them on the metal, and that's how we build the cool things. It's like, oh shit, that's really cool. And at the it's same a strong time, Viking bloodline. Yeah, yeah. And at the same time, he was actually working. So he his main job was was a smith. I guess he's still a smith. And um, uh, his second job was a commission painter. Yeah. So <laughs> at the same time, I can imagine himself like holding an axe and or like hammer in one hand, like making something from the iron and the second hand he has like a brush yeah and uh, he's painting really cool models actually I, I think that he he once had like uh, he actually once not not one but had like top three on best painters as well mm-hmm. um, so yeah that's actually the type of people that you can meet there and uh, at the same time you learn a lot of things people bring like a lot of different models you don't usually see for example uh, I saw like uh, custodians tanks like huge ones I only saw on... Cladius yeah yeah, yeah. I, I only saw on uh, on the Forge World website that's the only place you can see that usually uh, then I also saw like what like uh, Titans uh, mm. you remember that one you played against on, on, the, on the tournament like the, the big one which which cost like 1000 points yeah, yeah. like that uh, I played against him as well then it's like so it's like a lot of different models and actually in the last tournament uh, when we played we saw a guy who actually won the, the best painter uh, as well. So he, he had like normal models you can buy from normal games, workshop website, like nothing super special there. Uh, Magnus, few knights, like really, you can order them yourself. But he actually made the whole, the whole scenery out yeah. of that. He had like a warp gate. Um, that it, like, so a common thing in tournaments is to make a display board. And usually that means, you know, you get a piece of wood, you put some basing on it that matches the base of your models, and then you call it a job done. But this guy had gone to a whole new level, level yeah. right? He, he had this whole walk gate behind them and demons coming out of it. It was, it was astonishing. And I think like, that's another thing with going to tournaments. Like, even if you're, like, if you want to go and learn how to play Warhammer better, you're going to get that, those lessons. You're going to have five games where you learn how to play Warhammer better. But if you're a painter, if you're just an avid painter, it's worth going because you obviously enjoy playing Warhammer. You get to play Warhammer, yeah. but you'll get to meet some of the best painters in your country because uh, they'll travel down. Um, uh, we have a we have a friend who who always goes with his knight army. He yeah, always yeah, plays yeah. pure knights, which yeah. you know pure knights is, is not a pushover army, but it's nothing that's going to win a tournament. But he goes because he wins best painted at most tournaments, and his models are gorgeous. And all of these people will want to talk about it. So if you go up to someone and say, your army looks amazing, 
can you teach me something that absolutely give you time? You can sit with someone for half an hour, showing them your models, them showing them the, uh, theirs, and just swapping painting tips. Yeah, like, it's, it's such a good environment. Exactly, exactly. And uh, it will actually improve your painting skills a lot just, just, yeah. just talking with those people. I remember I asked him how he, how he made dirt on his nights, because I obviously also have nights. Uh, and they want to know how to do that. It's like, oh, that's actually that that that, that was really easy thing to do. So first, you take this color and then this color and then this color and then this color. You mix them all together. It's like, oh, I already forgot like what colors yeah. mix for that. But so like in general, in general, uh, if you follow like the guidelines from those people, especially like the top painters, your painting level will increase like significantly because in order to get to this level, you either need to Google a lot, yeah, or you need to experiment a lot. Or pay someone to teach you. Exactly, or pay expensive. someone to teach you. Yeah, exactly. And those people, because they're just proud of the job they, they did, and they, they obviously should, should be, yeah. I think, uh, they will just tell you like how to do things. And uh, at some point, you'll you'll find yourself sitting in front of the table, looking at the dirt that they put on the night, and it's like, oh man, that, that actually looks pretty good. Yeah. Just simple things like that, like that you can... Um, had to finish off your models like you may be a very competent painter like i mean maybe you're the best painter in your group but you go to a tournament that has 100 people you're going to find someone who's better than you and that's something to learn from um uh, like i'm a very keen painter myself um and i was always that guy in my group who was like the best at playing the game and had the best painted models then i went to my first tournament and oh suddenly i'm in not even in the top 25% of people here, either of those things. And then you learn loads and you go back next time and your models are better painted, but also those people who are better than you, their models are even better painted. So it's just this constant progression, which I think is wonderful. I think it's yeah. a great part of the community. And another good thing that you actually can get from the tournaments is how to play Warhammer, obviously, because yeah. you play a lot. And uh, as Richard already mentioned, uh, you may have your first game and you actually may lose your first game. I remember you did. Yeah. So the, the person who actually won the tournament. Yeah, yeah. And that actually... That, good friends with that guy as well. Yeah, exactly. We talk exactly. a lot online. <laughs> exactly. And now we actually make great friends with him yeah. and with the whole Westeros team as yeah. well. Uh, and you actually learn a lot uh, from those games as well because obviously if the person wins the tournament, he's a really good player. Yeah. Definitely. If you are the person in your group that always wins, you should go to a tournament. You, you can learn from winning games all the time, but you'll learn a lot more when you meet someone who's much better than you and just pushes your face into the dirt and goes, oh, this is how you play this army. And people are so friendly. Like, generally, if someone is really good at the game and you're new, and you say that, they're going to do a teaching game. They're going to say, okay, right, this is what this model does. They'll take time to explain it to you. You have three hours to play to play a game, which may not seem like a lot of time, but it's... Uh, it's it flies it's, really fast. It does go fast. Um, and afterwards you have a break and if you feel like wow I, I lost that game pretty badly and you say to the person like I mean most of them will just give you tips but if you're open and you say wow you really used your army well and like how do you think I could learn better they'll give you so many tips um, about how well you know on turn three you charge that unit but actually what you should have done is just left them there um, so that I couldn't charge you um, and stuff like that, like you, yeah, exactly. you grow yeah. so quickly. Exactly, and you just you just need to like to, to learn how to listen to those people because I remember that uh, Richard actually had a story. He played against knights. 
Yeah. Right, and you played uh, Talos. Uh, it's my Talos build. Yeah, is it still a question how we should call them in plural? Is it like Talos or is it? You're the person who knows Greek. Yeah, exactly. I would say that they should call should be called Taloi because yeah. that's that's the Greek word. But I, I guess everyone everyone everybody calls them Taloses. Okay, Taloses. Anyway, uh, so and you tell that person like don't charge them because yeah. They're going to rip your knight apart. So, so with the with the Talos build, um, this is a really good bit of information because Dark Elder are not a super common army, and it's possible someone listening to this has never played against Dark Elder before. So Talos are amazing in combat, but they only move eight inches a turn. So you can oh, kind of half of them get into combat, but they take the middle of the board. They're quite durable, so it's quite hard to shift them. So what a lot of people do is charge a unit in, but you can take a character that has a bubble that uh, means that they can choose one model to strike last that combat. So every single time I take this army, I'm very open with my opponent, I say, have you played against Dark Arada before? Even if they say yes or no, I explain to them this, this relic that means that one of the units will strike last. So the time Rome was talking about, um, I was, it, was a, it was a five night list. I put my talus right in the middle of the table. He shot them, it did a few wounds, not so much. They have a very good and vulnerable save. So he... I says, I'm going to charge in my gallon. I'm like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to charge my gallon. He's like, you know I'll strike last? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to charge him in. So um, he charges in. I say, your gallon's striking last. The talus kill it. And then I use that uh, consolidation that I get from that to move forward. She wants to be charged another one of his knights and then kill it in combat. And he's like, okay, they've taken some wounds now. I'm pretty sure my warden can take them. I'm like, are you, are you sure? Like, you're... You're going to charge. You know what happened last time? He's like, yeah, I'm going to charge. So he charges in, make it strike last, and kill it again. So that's another thing. Like, You've got to listen to your opponent. Like, People are open. Like, I've never met... Uh, maybe one player. I've been to a lot of tournaments now. And I've maybe met one player who was trying to play Gotcha 40k. Most people will be really open. If you ask questions, and even if you don't a lot of the time, they'll, they'll tell you how their army works. Yeah, yeah. In most cases, they will. I mean, there are some some cases. At least I, I met some players who didn't explain everything that the army could do actually. Yeah. Uh, but overall, overall, if I take all the players I played against, they usually like super up and they usually explain everything that you need to know. Uh, you just need to listen to those people, and that's that's the information that you get. And uh, I would say that actually that's 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 really important, especially for uh, for the beginners in in forty k, because even if you play, even if you have a huge group. Of people, let's yeah. say like you have five of them, and let's say every one of them plays different army. Uh, let's imagine that you have one orc player, one ender, few imperium because imperium is huge. Too and, many imperium players. Yeah, too many imperium players. Need to get rid of that corpse emperor. <laughs> and probably, probably, hopefully, you'll get one chaos player. Don't worry, they are just heretics. They will die anyway. They're very important. <laughs> they are very important to the setting. It's something to say the most important. Uh, but anyway. Even in this case, you still won't cover all the fractions and all the potential rules that you, you, you may get in, in the tournament, because in the tournament you definitely will have more players. Uh, for example, in the Westeros tournament that we've just mentioned a few times, usually it's like more than 100 people. Yeah. It's like 115, 120. Uh, on LGT it was like a lot. I don't remember. 400, something like that. 400, something like that. So even if it's just a local tournament where you can meet like, I don't know, like 30, 50 people, it's still way more that is going to be in your group anyway, and yeah. you're still going to meet some builds that you didn't play before. That you didn't play before, uh, and even if you 
will meet some builds you played before. For example, I played some Dark Elder players, which used pretty much the same build as which I did. This will actually bring you confidence. Yeah. Because you will feel, okay, I already know this build because I already played against it before. I know how to, how to beat it. And then, with a bit of luck, you will. Uh, but learning from, from, from the builds you haven't played before, that's a huge thing. Yeah, and I I think the tournaments is the only place where you can get that experience. Yeah, and it's not like, and you can take that back to your own group as well. Like say, like so, a real problem for me and Roman is we don't really have any friends to play Tau. So the only time we ever play face Tau is in a tournament. And you might think, oh well, you know, I don't, I'm not really interested in getting better at tournaments. What's the point of me playing against Tau? I never have to play against Tau. But uh, Tau is like the consummate gunline army. Uh, so if you play against Tau in a tournament and you win, they win, doesn't really matter. You've now learned how that real hardcore gunline army plays. So if one of your friends plays Marines or Guard or Eldar even, who can build a gunline style army, you're like, okay, yeah, I've, I've played Tau. I know how to play a gunline army now. And you, you, the, Warhammer only has so much variance in it. Uh, at some point it just comes down to archetypes and you, that's what you get to see at tournament. You know, you get to see so many different archetypes. And one of your friends will build one of those archetypes at one point. Yeah, You'll be exactly. super excited. And if you already know how to beat it, you've got a hand up. And then after the tournament, after you after you played it, you played like five, six games. And after that, you, you meet with your friends and you say like, okay, I played the same army you play in general. Like if you play like Eldar. I also played against Eldar. Against something that you probably want to build. Or against something that probably can be like improvement of what you have or uh, you build something like that like pretty much similar but you have like some variety in, in like in small details here and there so does those small details actually matter in the game or is just like you know like a taste thing like I prefer to have more troops or I prefer to have more flyers or anything else so all those like small and uh, changing the game options they actually really they're really cool to have and actually really cool to to build on top in your group, um, yeah. especially if you have, a, if, especially if you have a big one. Yeah, I, th I think that's a great point. Actually, um, the it's not just that your friend might build something; it's also like you might be inspired. Um, so you might be playing your army in a certain way, and then you see someone play even a different faction, mm -hmm. and you go, "Wow, that worked really well." I I could do something really similar to that with my army, and you just often you only have to have two or three units, and then suddenly you got this whole new playstyle that opens up to you, and I think that's excellent. Like, it's great. Yeah, yeah. Rich, can you tell me more about your first tournament? Like my share? first tournament. Your first tournament. Okay, so my first tournament was the first ever LGT. Oh my god. Which is now this huge prestigious tournament that's talked about all over the world with four hundred players and all of this. At the time, they they didn't even make a hundred players. Really? First one. Yeah. First one didn't even make a hundred players. Uh, That's more so, than, than here it's So, like I said before, I was that guy in my group who won every game. Uh, had maybe 10 people in my local club. And um, I was building down to play against people. I don't want to sound arrogant, but like I've been playing the game a lot longer. A lot of these people are people I've taught to play Warhammer. Um, so, I was, I was winning a lot. So, I went, I was like, yeah, it's a big tournament. I can do pretty well. Uh, so, I... Uh, this is back in 7th edition. So um, there was a build at the time... What year it was? Oh, God. I don't even know. Um, 
six years ago, maybe. Six years ago, so yeah. approximately 2014. Yeah, so I was, I was, I'd been playing um, Warhammer at club level for a really long time. It took me quite a while to actually go to tournaments. Um, so this is the first tournament I went to, um, and uh, at the time it was seventh edition, and I wanted to play my Chaos. And there was an expansion for Chaos at the time, uh, the Black Legion expansion that made Chosen better. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's not go into details, they were just better. And uh, also I'm an Emperor's Children player, that's my primary army, so I had a lot of Noise Marines as well. And this build was Chosen and Noise Marines in Rhinos. And in my local club, this build was hard as nails. Go to a tournament, turns out not so much. <laughs> First game I play against Tal, um, and he had a Storm Surge and two Riptides. Uh, so everyone knows about Riptides, I'm sure. Uh, you'll have heard of them if you haven't played against them. But at the time, uh, a Storm Surge was basically the equivalent of what a Castellan was when it was bad in 8th mm-hmm. edition. So you're, you're hitting a really tough army, and they just blew me off the table. I actually managed to play till the last turn. I had one model left on the on turn 6, which was, which was pretty cool. Not tabled! No, no not tabled. Uh, and then um, I dropped to the bottom. And that's the nice thing about these bigger tournaments, like I was saying, like... You, especially in England, there'll be people there for the fluff. So you get dropped to a bottom table and then suddenly you're playing this guy, like I was playing, who was like, I have pure Raven Guard. And I was like, okay. And the mission was um, to hold the centre of the table. Do you, what type of rules did you play? Was it like a typical 40k rules? Was it special, like ETC, uh, it was the, ITC? It was the, it was the uh, standard Eternal War missions at the time, I think, was what they were using. So, and the map was down for... Uh, yeah, there was no... Uh, this This is the thing, you, you newbies. Uh, exactly, we, we newbies, we want to know how All these was, different, like... different kinds of maps. No, no, no. Dawn of War was how you played 40k. You had a long board edge each and you put your models up. Um, so he had the first turn and he moved all of his models onto the objective. And I was like, okay, I have plasma guns and lots of them and noise marines. And I got all my noise marines and plasma guns out of my tanks and killed all of his roving guard and he had no models left. And so it swings from one game, to the other. Well played. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and I, I can't remember the rest of the games, but there was one. Uh, so basically, I ended up with two, two wins, two losses, and a draw, which for my first tournament appearance actually yeah, that's on reflection was pretty, pretty, pretty good. Um, and uh, yeah, so that was something I was kind of proud of. And then from there, it kind of got me the bug. And then I suddenly realised all these other things I can do with my army. And then obviously, eighth hits and dark elder are really strong. And for those of you who don't know the history, there was a period where Dark Elder didn't get a new book for 13 years. It was the Dark Times. Dark um, Times for Dark Elder. But when 8th came out, Dark Elder was strong. And then they got their codex and they were even stronger. So I really rolled with that and I started having some pretty good success at tournaments. Uh, I placed top 8th a couple of times. Um, and it's a real leap, actually. From your first tournament to your second, you learn so much and you get so many ideas. And it's, it's, it's good. It's really if you compare yourself, uh, in your first tournament, when you played the first tournament, and uh, when you played your last tournament, what the biggest change you may see there? That's a, the biggest change. The biggest change. That's a really interesting question. I think it's forward planning, actually. Um, I think there's a habit in Warhammer to go, what can I do this turn? But like, you're really, really great players. I'm not saying I'm one of these, but you're really great players when what's happening in turn six. I, I think I can probably think ahead from turn one to about turn three now, which is a huge improvement off only thinking about the current turn. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's, that's is planning it, planning ahead. Um, and that's something that comes naturally and comes from playing the game a lot. Um, I think it's very much a learned skill. 
You can read a lot online about how you should play your army and how you should think ahead, but you need to see that in practicality, definitely. Yeah, that's for sure, that's for sure. I remember that since like last year when 40 games started to become a big thing on the internet, people started to like to Google for articles and search for for 40k teachers who can actually explain them how to build things. Did you actually did you did you have anyone who taught you how to play 40k like on a on a tournament level? So when I started playing 40k, I was nine. And the way you learned to play Warhammer is you went to your local games workshop and they had a weekend mm -hmm. where you spent the whole weekend playing Warhammer at the games workshop. It still exists, actually. Uh, I was going to say, I assume that still exists. Yeah. Um, but only for kids. Yeah. Uh, but nowadays you have so many resources. I mean, you, you look at the podcast, you, you got stuff like Art of War, where you got Nick Nadevadi, who, I mean... Actually, even though I'm not a kid, I can tell you that I, I had my first game in the games workshop as well. Oh, so. well, that's great. Yeah, so I, I had a proper, you know, proper introduction. That is actually, if you've never played Warhammer before, go to a games workshop. Like, if you're somehow listening to this podcast and you've never played Warhammer before, go to a games workshop and say, I think I'd like to play Warhammer. And the staff will give you all the time in the world. They'll teach you how to play the game, they'll talk through different armies, uh, and... If you don't like it, you don't like it, but I would be surprised if someone doesn't like Warhammer because <laughs> it is a great game. Um, yeah, and then um, from there... So you went to your local game store, local games workshop store, and yeah. what? We, well, I played Fantasy first, actually. Ah, you played Fantasy first? Yeah. Of course you um, Yeah, uh, even though we were brought in with the Elder and the uh, Dark Elder battle, uh, basically, um, I saw Archeon. And that Who model... Archeon is the best model that's ever been made and ever will be made. <laughs> not the new one. Not that bullshit one on the dragon who doesn't even have a slanesh head on his dragon. I'm a bit salty about that. Archeon on his horse with his sword up. Look it up. It is one of the most gorgeous models ever made. I saw that model and I was like, chaos is for me. And my brother was a, a big fan of um, the mythology around uh, Dracula and Dark mm -hmm. Tepes. Um, uh, so he looked at vampire counts it's like this is what I want to play uh -huh. so we went in with one idea and we talked to the staff and they were like have you thought about fantasy and then we saw the fantasy models and we were like yes this is what we want to do uh, so we started playing fantasy and then after a while we built some 40k armies as well neither of us really knew the rules but we had a good time we were kids you know how it goes and then I got a bit older and um, this is actually something my girlfriend has said that we should definitely bring up a lot on the podcast. <laughs> when you move to a new city, Warhammer is one of the best things that you can have. Um, as an adult, it can be kind of tricky to make friends. You you agree with that, right? Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. I mean, before that, I remember when I was when I was a little little boy uh, in my hometown. Yeah. It was still possible to go to Sand Ground to like and uh, like, yeah. hey guys, yeah, I want to make some friends. Well, nowadays, if you, now I'm. 20, now I'm 28 years old actually, I had a birthday last week. Oh, uh, congratulations. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> so now, nowadays, if you go to some uh, like uh, sandbox place and say like, hey guys, I want to make friends, they're probably going to call, call the police. Yeah, you're going to get arrested. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you go to a new city and you have a Warhammer army, you don't even have to have 2,000 points. This is another good thing for new people to know. You don't need to have 2,000 points. If you have a HQ choice and a troops choice and you show up at your local club and you go, I want to play some Warhammer, someone's going to play a game with you. And I've moved, so I grew up in the countryside, and I moved to Cardiff, which is the capital of Wales, I moved to London, and now I live here in Stockholm. 
and in all three of those cities, the best friends I've made are people I've made uh, friends I've made playing Warhammer. And um, you just go to the local club and say, "Look, I, I want to play some Warhammer," and someone's going to say, "Okay, let's play some Warhammer." Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's how you make your friends. And um, I think um, I played a lot of fantasy, um, probably more fantasy than forty k. But then when fantasy got knocked on the head by Games Workshop, I was more pushed into doing forty k. Um, uh, and my first army was Chaos. My very first army was Chaos Warriors. Yeah. Um, Which type? Uh, well, uh, lots of lads in full plate armor. Oh, okay, armor. yeah, that, that's yeah. pretty special for that. And uh, <laughs> demon princes. Uh, this will be a thing, a recurring theme on the podcast. We'll be Richard talking about how cool demon princes are because they are the best thing that exists in all of 40k and well, fantasy and all of Warhammer. I, 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 I can tell, I can tell you guys as an Imperium player, I really love one thing about demon princes is when they die. That's absolutely awesome moment. Like as many of them as they die, and as soon as they die, that was like, oh, that's that's a huge relief. <laughs> yeah, but you know they're just gonna come back because they're immortal. Uh, yeah, that's that's a problem. Uh, yeah, so you're trying to deal with that in guns. So yeah, so um, so basically, I bounced through these few different cities. And I got to London, and the LGT happened, and I'd never been to a tournament, so I thought about before. And one of my friends was going to go. He ended up not showing up, so I went on my own. And that's another thing. If you are the only one of your friends who wants to go to a tournament, go. You'll make friends. I still have friends from that first tournament that I talked to. Um, people are so welcome in this community, and that's the best thing about it. I mean, I've been involved a lot in like online gaming communities, and it's very toxic. Yeah. And I think there's a kind of a bleed off because you think like, oh, all nerds could be the same, but. Um, it's not in for in in Warhammer. It's it's just not. People are generally really friendly. And if you have one guy who's a bit of a dick, you call the judge over, and the judge will probably side with you. Yeah, but in general, I would say it doesn't happen. I mean, no. like among Sorry, all man. the games that I had so far, I had like a lot. Not like that. Not that many tournaments as you did, obviously. Uh, but I had like 10, 12 tournaments. Yeah. So far, something like that, and among all those tournaments, among all those games, which is basically like. Five, five games per tournament. Yeah. Quite so a lot. 50 odd games. Yeah, quite a lot. Uh, I think that I, so far I met like two guys which were like, like not not friendly. Uh, one cheated, but I'm not sure if he did that intentionally, to be honest. Yeah, um, that was kind of a sad situation, actually. I think that's an important thing to talk about for the newer players as well. Uh, Roman played against a guy who beat him pretty soundly. And then our friend Andreas, who is... I mean, one of the best players I've ever met. He's one of the he's one of the Swedish he's national team. Yeah, so Andreas played against him in the second round, and I went over and I was like, oh, I, was, I was really intrigued to see how this guy was doing against Andreas. And Andreas said to me, "This guy's playing all of his rules wrong," and uh, we've had to call the judge over. And the guy was really upset. And I think if you're a new player and you go to a tournament and you cheat by accident, and someone calls you out on it, they're not telling you you're a bad person. They're just trying to help you get better. If you find out that you've been playing a rule wrong, I've done it myself. I've done it myself in in Warhammer and in D and D. Suddenly you realise, oh, that wasn't as broken as I thought it was, and that's okay. Like that's just you growing as a person, right? Yeah, exactly. And actually, that that happens with me occasionally as well, especially when I play some new models. And uh, you don't have to remember all the rules. In general, you do. Like at some point you will learn them. You gotta try, but there's a lot of rules. Yeah, exactly. But that's a lot of rules, and obviously I'm not going to learn like the rules for all the fractions and all the special keywords that exist in the game because that's that's a lot of them. So obviously 
it's not a memory game. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why we have all the books and the rules written somewhere so you can check them out. But at some point you may be pretty sure, like 99% like sure that that's the rules and you follow them. And then after the game you open the book and it's like, oh, looks like I did everything wrong. Yeah. Uh, that's okay. Yeah, that's, but that's okay. Uh, I mean, that's, that's occasionally happens and it will happen less in the future. Uh, because you obviously get more experience and uh, sometimes you will meet someone who will tell you you cannot do that, but again, as Richard said, they're not doing it because they're going, they're going to tell you like, you're a cheater, you have to go away! No, that's not how it works. That's, they're doing that because they want you to grow yeah. and become a better player. Absolutely. So we've talked a lot um, so far about tournaments. That's going to be a pretty common theme, I think, because me and Roman are pretty into the tournament scene right now. Uh, we do do some fluffier games, but most of, a, most of what we do right now is, is tournament focused. And we talked a lot about how new players can approach the game. And that's another thing I want to hit on this podcast as well. Like I said, there's a lot of podcasts out there. You've got Art of War with Nick Navardi. If you don't know who he is, look him up because he's great. Uh, you've got Chapter Tactics, which is more middle play, but still pretty heavy tournament focus. You've got Best in Faction. If you don't know Best in Faction, look it up immediately and join the community. It's the best 40k community there is. I think everyone agrees who's in that community. Yes. There's a few as a Florida man as well is another good one to, to listen to. But we, we would like to talk about well, how newer players can approach it as well. So just in the last few minutes, something I want to round off each podcast with, just go to the fluff, is some book recommendations. So Roman, Oof. If, you could, if you had someone come to you and say... I've never read a 40k book. What book would you tell them to read? Well, that, that's a really tough question, actually. Yeah. Like, really, so really tough question. We're going to do one of these every week, uh, one each. Uh, so this is Roman's first suggestion. Well, uh, I would say I would say that depends on how, how much deep that person actually knows 40k, if he knows anything or she knows anything. Okay, so for the first episode, let's say they've never read any fluff before. They might have played the game, but they don't know any fluff. Well, they don't know any fluff. Then I, then I would suggest to start with the very, very, very first book. Uh, the very first book of Horus Heresy, mm -hmm. uh, which will give you like the general overview of what's, what's been happening in, uh, in the universe. Who is the Emperor? Who is who are Primarchs? Uh, who is Horus? Why Horus heresy is actually heresy, yeah. and like and so on and so forth. So just start with the first one. Uh, it will give you a lot of fun, uh, especially if you especially if you will listen to it in uh, in audio version. I usually listen audio books uh, when I listen for TK, and uh, it will it will give you a, a big introduction to main characters as well. Some of those characters actually will follow in the next books. Uh, so that's that's the base. I would say that's the place where you should start with. That's a that's a great place to start. I really I really think that if you are interested in the setting, even if you're an Eldar or an Ekron player, it's really good to understand um, the basis of the Imperium and their war against chaos because it is so much of the setting, and it really um, you'll see a real difference between how the Imperium was 10,000 years ago when it was hopeful and trying to build for the future and how it is now. For myself, um, I'm going to go with a book I've read recently, mm -hmm. which is Primogenitor, which is the first of the Fabius Bile series. So for any of you Chaos players out there, this book, I've heard some good things about it, but it is fantastic. Um, obviously, being an Emperor's Children player, I'm quite interested in Fabius. Uh, if for those of you who don't know, he was the chief apothecarian 
of uh, the Emperor's Children Legion when they were loyal to the Emperor many, many moons ago. <laughs> and, um, he... He's actually going to get a new model soon. Yeah, he is, which is why I read the book. Uh, <laughs> but regardless of that, it's a good book to read. Uh, and um, he was actually one of Fulgrim's, who, Fulgrim's the Primarch of the Emperor's Children. Uh, he was actually one of Fulgrim's right-hand men. He was a really important guy. And Primogenture explores um, really what it is to be a Chaos Space Marine in, in the modern age of, of uh, the 41st millennium. Uh, how Fabius is viewed. Like he, Fabius is this guy who just wants to make better Space Marines. That's his mission in life. He wants to make the perfect man. He thinks the Emperor did pretty well, but he thinks that he can be improved upon. Um, and the, what Primogenture explores is how the rest of the Third Legion see him and how some of them see him as this traitor who didn't stay with the Legion and went off to do the experiments and others see him as this hope, this guy who could come back as one of the greatest leaders of the Legion when it was loyal and lead them again. And I, it's a really good book. It's really, really good. And it has some great descriptions of chaos stuff that um, is really grim and really gives you the understanding. I won't ruin anything, but there are certain <laughs> scenes in that book where you go, ooh, uh, that chaos stuff's pretty mean. Like, it's pretty nasty. <laughs> I would say Chaos is pretty mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're all heretics, guys. Like, don't listen to him. They're yeah, well, you know. This is... <laughs> you, should, you should follow the Chaos Quads. Uh, yeah, so um, <laughs> thank you for listening to our first episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If anyone has any suggestions, um, you can contact me at ramil75 at gmail.com um, and just send me any ideas you have for the podcast, anything you'd like to hear. Like I said, we're... We're going to be talking a lot about tournaments, a lot about new players, but we'll try and throw a bit of the uh, the fluff in there as well and give you some book recommendations. So, yeah, that's for sure. Thank you, guys. Thank uh, you.